Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. Today, I'm happy to welcome a guest who is a Writers of the Future winner, published in Volume 36, Andy Dibble, with his story, A Word That Means Everything. He's also been published in Sci-Fi Journal, Starline, Speculative North, Sci-Fi Lampoon, and he is the articles editor for Speculative North, a Toronto-based science fiction fantasy magazine. As an undergraduate, he completed four majors, religious studies, philosophy, Asian studies, and computer science, and published a paper on two of India's great epics, the Mahabharata and the Bhagavata Purana. And for all those of you from India, I'm sorry if I butchered it, but I really wanted to make a shot of that. He holds a Master of Theological Studies from Harvard Divinity School. Welcome, Andy. Hi, John. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that when I sent around the last podcast that you responded that you'd like to participate. And I'm, I'm very anxious and very excited when I'm able to uh, have new writers on here who are rapidly escalating up in the uh, ranks of writerdom. So... Um, First of all, like, you're obviously a writer. You're one writer of the future. So how'd you get started with your writing? Um, well, so I wrote kind of on and off when I was a kid. I mean, I didn't have any kind of grand vision of being a writer. Um, but, I mean, I, I wrote, like, you know, some fantasy, um, some horror, I guess. I mean, not not very seriously. And I I didn't really actually plan on... Um, publishing anything professionally until I, um, so my, like, my previous kind of job, when I, when I left that, I was under a non-compete for a year, so I couldn't, I couldn't keep in that career, and so I'm like, I'm gonna write a novel, and I wrote a, a fantasy novel, and that's, that's sitting, um, I, (laughs) it's finished, more or less, but, but I, I, I'm, I'm not, too, too proud of it, given how I've changed it as a writer. But kind of actually what kind of drew me to, to start writing short stories actually was, uh, you, know, you know, the idea for a word that means everything. Uh, so, so, so that was the first kind of short story I wrote when I, I you know, wanted, wanted to start submitting short stories to magazines. And uh, it, it, it wrote pretty quick, actually, although the beginning was was very long, very um, info dumpy. Um, and so when I first submitted it, it's writers of the future, I think in early 2018, it, it got like a hard reject. And then I submitted, I submitted it again, I think nine months later. And that's, you know, when, you know, it won. And I was quite surprised because at that point I hadn't published anything yet. So that's great then. So that was your journey up and since Winning Rise the Future, because like in your intro, I read several things that are happening. So it seems like uh, things have definitely um, um, expanded for you. So a little bit about that then, please. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I kept kind of, you know, submitting, you know, stories and like, you know, I, I read a lot of more kind of idea, idea driven fiction. And that's why, you know, I've, I've, sold, I've sold a few different stories to Sci-Fi Journal because, you know, that's kind of their focus. But probably the biggest sale I've had in terms of my kind of, you know, writing career um, since Writers of the Future was 
a story kind of grounded in kind of classical Buddhism, actually based on an older um, Indian Buddhist epic called the Buddha Charita. Um, and my story was called The Bang the Drum. I sold that, that, that to, spe- to Speculative North, that, that Toronto-based magazine that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so I got involved with their, with their you, know, um, you know, science fiction and fantasy writing group. If there's, if there's one kind of silver lining to COVID, it's that we're much more global now that we can just get, get on Zoom and, and, you know, meet, and meet with people in other countries. Right. Um, and, but, you know, from there, I, I, you know, I did slush reading on Speculative North. I, um, you know, the, the um, lead editor for the magazine, David Schultz, you know, he needed some help with copy editing and I helped with that. And you know now I'm I'm articles editor for the magazine, so I, I work on like you know the craft pieces, you know the 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 interview, the introduction, you know the nonfiction pretty much. And now my new project is working on a science fiction and fantasy anthology of of religion based stories. And so um the the publisher that Speculative North you know um. Is affiliated with T. Spec. You know, we just came out with a Kickstarter for that just today. So um, that that project is, you know, off to the races. Well, that's good. So now, absolutely, the whole subject. I mean, one thing I definitely want to be able to discuss with you on this interview is religion and science fiction and fantasy. So, just in preparing for this interview, I read the Bang the Drum as well, and um, you're very much obviously your understanding of religion and various religions based on your first story that you won the, your rise to feature with. And then now with some bang, the drum is uh, obviously shines forth. So on the subject of writing religion in science fiction and fantasy, do you have any basic philosophy on that or basic rules, do's and don'ts that you follow? Um, hmm. So I, I'm not sure if it's like, a basic philosophy. I mean, because you know, religion is just like it's so big and so nebulous, right? It, it, like, I mean, you know, it's integrated with art and law, and you know, practice and philosophy and and you know, literature and script. I mean, it it just has so many you know aspects that sure. like I don't kind of have a core like a big algorithm for it, but. Right. I mean, I, if I do have a mission in, in, you know, in writing science fiction fa- and fantasy, you know, and kind of, you know, and, and helping the field, you know, in, in how it engages with religion, like I, I am, I guess, dissatisfied with, you know, some, some common trends, like it, it's very common for, you know, religion to kind of be just, you know, the gods just kind of, you know, are used to give characters magical powers and a kind of you know, Dungeons and Dragons way, or it's just used to set up a, a political dynamic, or, you know, the the work is very critical of religion in general, you know, treating it, you know, with, with abstractions. I mean, I, I, I even see that kind of thing sometimes in, in you know, pro magazines, and sometimes they, they even get their facts wrong, which is pretty embarrassing if, you, if you're criticizing something you're getting your facts wrong for. I mean, it's not common, but, and so it's like, I mean, it's actually why I like seeing when, when you find, you know, sci-fi and fantasy 
that that takes you know religion very positively, you know, kind of as a counterbalance to to you know some of the negativity that you see. So something like you know Walter, you know Miller's, you know a canticle for for Leibowitz. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean he he, I mean Catholicism is a a very powerful you know positive force in, in that book. Or I read um uh, the parable of the sower by Octavia Butler recently, and that I mean she writes beautifully. The book's kind of depressing, though, really. Um, yeah. But but religion there is that you know that, that very strong kind of positive you know thread through the whole book, and I, I mean I like to see that because it 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 just you know very refreshing in in this field. Yeah, it's because it seems like sometimes an author will try to or writers will try to grind an act somehow or another the way they describe religion or go over like. The negativity of religion, whereas yours, both the stories of yours that I read, it isn't that at all. It's almost like it's not that it's impersonal, but it's just a straight. Here's a fair shake at something. I hear you have you know a word that means everything. You know that's the proselytizing of, of Christianity right across the gal- galaxy, and uh, bang the drum is the um, I guess the herald of the Buddha. You know what's his. You said that's already that's a takeoff from a story, or that's similar to a story, or that's or is this your your take on how the Buddha came to arrive? Um, yeah, so it's the impetus for that actually was so there's a it's first century um epic called the Buddha Charita, written by a, a man named Ashwagosha. His name means horse sound. It's very interesting. Um <laughs> But uh, so that that's kind of the most famous classical biography of the Buddha, um, mm-hmm. and there's there's one episode in there where the sage um, Asita, who he he's he's you know very illustrious sage, and he's and he comes in, and he starts you know he see, sees the infant Buddha, and he starts crying, and and the king you know is very distraught about this because he's worried that 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 means something very bad for his son but the reason why Asita's crying is he he realizes that he's going to die before the buddha is enlightened and teaches you know what he's learned about the world right and and you know Asita dying first means that he won't be able to be enlightened and be and be liberated from karma and rebirth so it's kind of in this moment of tragedy and in indian literature that the, the, there's actually very, you know very little tragedy it's you know you, you know most things you know um end well so it's 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 you know a, a very touching moment for me yeah yeah and then with that that tamisra the one from she actually came from you know she lived a lot various lives in hell but how in this story that you wrote then how she was actually purged or whatever and she actually then regained a, a new life because of her uh, touching and, and holding the the buddha infant that was pretty interesting that whole you know the restoration of her karma of her soul or whatever you want to refer that i thought that was very interesting too that was just it really was a good ending oh good yeah yeah that that ending was harder for me i, I had to Smooth it over. Actually, when I first had that accepted, I, 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 they didn't like the ending, so I I, I kind of had to work with it. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. She I invented. She she she's nowhere in okay. the in the uh, in you know the the Buddha Charita or, or any source I know of. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's why it's called science fiction or fantasy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we take you know many many liberties here. Yeah. Um, I I I actually did alter, alternate I history. This is religious yeah. alternate history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually submitted that story to Critters, you know, which is an online um, uh, sure. you know writing workshop, and I actually did have uh, Buddhists say that they they thought it was history and. And so it, it's, you know, you get all, all, all types. Yeah. yeah. So you said when you sent me the story, Bang the Drum, that was, that was a very significant story for you. How so? Um, I, I mean, it's like, you know, I guess primarily in terms of, of like, you know, my, my writing trajectory, it, it was. Um, I mean, I like the... I mean, probably what what's what's most meaningful in it, you know, for me, you know, was that 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 episode in in the Buddha Charita. It like uh, probably the other thing uh, could be that like it does have more of a moral message than probably any of my other stories. And you know, being didactic in in writing is is <laughs> normally frowned upon, and for good reason. I mean, it's 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 good to have a have a, a a a much you know more subtle touch but i mean like you know w one message there is that you know you know anger you know isn't productive that it's destructive and that's you know you know especially true in a buddhist context but you know not not only there um and, and that is one thing i i wanted to you know to, to convey what was good about that because even though it is a moralistic story that you've got there it didn't come across that way because it is about the buddha it is about karma and so the very nature of what those subjects are lends itself to having that type of a story and and have it being told in such a fashion that i didn't want to reject it you know it wasn't one of those points like oh he's just he's he's banging his own drum now for for his his own philosophy and it, it didn't come across that way it was just it was a very fun story you know i really enjoyed it and um now that you said this it, it does came ac come across more as maybe an alternate history rather than just straight fantastical you know but yeah. that you've written there but now you you've mentioned a lot of a lot of stories and a lot of people i talked to in an interview talk about it's important character is important and story is important but you've taken it and you say for you, what's important is the idea and building on an idea. So you like to make ideas a center stage. And that was very obvious on a word that means everything. I mean, my gosh, that was the totality of it. And that totally explains that story to me. Okay. But what's your, you know, so how is it that that's become your, your trajectory on writing stories? Um, well, I think a lot of it is that I mean, you know, my background is more academic. You know, I I think you know very very you know philosophically, and you know I still like that kind of thing. I mean, I still write like philosophy and theology nonfiction too. But like, I mean, with a word that means everything, I I kind of had some ideas for characters, and but like the the core of it, the con the concept was you know just you know translating you know for me it was translating um you know, the Gospel of John, you know, you know, part of the Bible, you know, into, you know, you know, alien languages. And I thought that right. I thought that was really cool. 
And, yeah. and, you know, and, and it grew in this way where like, you know, you know, kind of, you know, so, so many alien cultures and, and so like how, how, you know, is kind of landscape morphed in a way that, 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 you know, I maybe lent itself somewhat more to a wider audience, even though, you know, there are just tons of ideas. Yeah. And I like the ideas and I'm going to, you know, keep, you know, liking the ideas. It's not going to change about, about me. Um, I mean, if there is kind of, you know, maybe something I want to achieve in terms of the field here, it's, I mean, I think stories, you know, I'm a pluralist. So I think stories can succeed for, you know, lots of reasons, you know, it, you know, a great concept for a character, you know, humor, you know, really, you know, beautiful writing, you know, strong pacing, you know, you know, a great plot. And I tend to think that at least, you know, most editors and I, I don't know, you know, readers, it depends, of course. But, you know, there aren't that many, you know, magazines out there for idea or world driven, you know, fiction. Um, you know, there are a few, you know, like like Nature Futures and I mentioned Sci-Fi Journal. Yeah, I, I, there's a newer one, you know, after dinner conversation, but you know, there aren't there aren't that many, which you know somewhat surprises me because the, you know there are a ton just for you know kind of generic sci-fi fantasy, um, and you know normally that they're saying you know they want you know a good story, and by that you know they mean focus on characters and plot, and that's great. You know stories you know can succeed that way too, but I don't think you know that that should be you know like you know, indispensable always. Yeah. Right. Like who's your favorite author? Favorite author? Uh, ever? Probably Jorge Luis Borges. As we just kind of leads in from what I just said. But I mean, yeah. his stories are very idea driven. I mean, well, he's also a good humorist too, which I, I really appreciate. I, I don't think there are, I mean, you know, good humorists are, are, um, they they aren't common at least that's um, for sure i mean like, like my favorite writer probably writing right now is ted chang i mean some of his stories i i find like you know more you know more impressive than a lot of boris stories I, I mean but like chang isn't a good humorist like boris is they're both you know you know very very remarkable writers though right okay good so um, yeah, I'm just curious of how it makes sense then that you would uh, um, gravitate towards idea-driven authors as your as somebody that you know you enjoy reading based on what you're just talking about and what you like to write in stories. Now, so you recently originated that uh, you're editing an anthology of religion, science fiction, and fantasy this year. So, tell me a bit about that. You know, just like what you're doing and what's the the goal of that. Uh, yeah, well, so broadly, the, the goal is to kind of improve representation of, of the treatment of, of religion in, in, in the field. So, I mean, it's not so common for there to be, you know, stories, stories in the field that actually focus on, on you, know, we, you, know, you know, real religion, you know, you know Christianity, Buddhism, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, Islam. I mean... There, there's often, often a focus on kind of, you know, religion in a fantasy concept, uh, context, or far in the future, you know, where, where it's so fantastical that it, its connection to kind of, you know, the real world is, is, is strained. And, I mean, there actually are some, some magazines that explicitly say they, they, you know, prefer not to have those kind of stories precisely because, you know, they can kind of, you know, turn readers off. 
um, you know, they can uh, offend offend some readers. And, and so that's one goal here to actually give, you know, more, you know, representation to, you know, stories that deal with, you know, you know, real uh, religion. And we have brought in readers from um, the um, University of Toronto Interfaith Center. You know, we have five readers, you know, taking uh, a program there that will be um, reading submissions for kind of, you know, tra treatment of religion, you know, you know, ensuring that that the, these stories are, I guess, you know, sufficiently sensitive to the topic. Um, so, so that's one piece of it. Like the, I mean, one thing like I want to see here too is is just that a lot of, I mean, a lot of re a treatment of religion in sci-fi and fantasy is, it's not always like Christianity per se. But it, but behind this treatment of religion is a very Christian idea of religion. You know that that religion is, is what happens. You know in only one aspect of your life, or it's what the monks in the monastery do. And 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 normally in you know across the world, it's far more common that religion isn't you know what what you believe, it's what you do, or maybe what what you feel. Um, in Islam and Hinduism and in Ju Judaism, like. Like you know, you know what you actually do is a far larger component of of your religious identity than than simply you know you know believing a certain kind of creed, and that's one thing I, I want to you know you know have in these stories too is is that like you know religion being kind of you know part of the characters in a whole in a whole life and a whole identity rather than just kind of one, one aspect. So that definitely comes across in. Um... You know, at least in, in the first stories that, that I've read of yours. So that's so that's basically your your idea behind this this um, compendium you're putting together. Of are you writing them all, or are you getting several authors to submit stories? Uh, well, uh, we have an open call on um, starting later this month, and then we'll be um, open again again in May. Um, so yeah, it's we're taking both both um, um, reprints. You know, already published stories and and you know just new on unpublished stories. So so yeah, we'll we'll see what we get, but but hopefully many submissions, and then we can sift through them f for the gems. So now we've got here's this here's this anthology with one story by A Dibble and one by Andy Dibble, another one by Andrew D. And <laughs> oh <laughs> no, I. <laughs> um, I mean, at, at the moment, I don't plan on putting any of my stories in it, but I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, yeah. I, I really, I, I mean, it's, it, it's my first, you know, real editing project. So right. I, I mean, I, w we'll see what it takes to, pre you know, produce a good product. Yeah. Okay. And then depending how it's going, by the time you come out for the awards of event week, we definitely have some of our judges that'll be more than willing to help you as well. Oh, nice. any question. Yeah, that'll definitely assist with you. So um, on the subject then of um, of writing, like your, the, our audience as aspiring writers and artists. So with respect to yourself, so you're, you're rapidly moving up that curve as a, as a professional writer. So what particular things have you had to overcome to get to where you are, because you've got your regular job, you had your you had your 
obviously your learning curve that you did going through school and then maintaining your work, your you know, work ethic to be able to keep the house that you're living in there and, and feed everything. How do you fit that in? And how is it, how do you envision it expanding for yourself? Uh, so I, I guess in terms of, of challenges, I mean, a lot of it is, is just keep submitting stories. I mean, I, I sold one story that after 19 submissions, I, I have one that I've submitted over 20 times. That, that one's been interesting because it's been held on to by four pro, pro magazines, one of which rejected it because it, 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 he, he uh, thought it, it, it would offend readers, unfortunately. Um, but, but he had very, ni- very nice things to, to say about it otherwise. Um, well, yeah, it's just, you know, writing about religion and I mean, a a part of it too, is just, you know, kind of taking the opportunities that that, that come to you. I mean, that's one reason why we're talking right now is, you know, kind of coming out of my shell and, and, um, you know, doing things like this because they lead to other opportunities. Yeah. And I mean, the, the major reason why, you know, I'm an editor for, for Specialty Up North is just because, you know, I wanted to help with copy editing and, and the main editor, you know, liked my feedback. So it can be very small things, you know, joining the, the, the right writing group, um, you know, even something like like Critters. I mean, I've, I've built, you know, somewhat a relationship, you know, um, with, you know, um, someone that that you know was a finalist for multiple Hugos and a Nebula, you know, one the the you know Bram Stoker just because, you know, I submitted a story there and we, we got talking and you know now I'm I'm you know um you know helping him at at edit his novel. So uh you, you know you know little opportunities can can lead to much you know bigger things. In terms of, I mean, like the future for me, I <laughs> that's something that I think I, I probably should strive to get a, a clearer picture of. And I think that's a good idea for, you know, really any writer, because your your goals determine so much of how you really, you know, should should behave. Like if you're, you know, dead set on this being, you know, your career, um, you, you know, really, you know, ha- have to you know, we go, be going to, you know, workshops, to conventions, you know, building those relate, you know, those connections, um, you know, you have to, you know, really figure, you know, figure out how to, how, how to publicize yourself and, you know, and how to, you know, go the self publishing route or, you know, you know, you know, make, make those top sales and, and, you know, catch the eye of, you know, major, you know, tra- traditional publishers. But but on the other hand, if you if your goal is what possibly mine is, you know, just to you know keep publishing, you know, build relationships, um, you know, let writing be an important part of your life, but not like your big thing, then then it's it's fine to be you know some somewhat more casual and just kind of focus on on you know you know setting goals and and you know writing for two hours every day and and just seeing what comes of it. So that's that's where you stand right now. And then but obviously success can also change direction too if all of a sudden you you meet that agent that says I love this, get me something more 
and all of a sudden now you've, you know, I'm talking to the next Tom Clancy now, Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, maybe who knows? Yeah, well, like I mean, I didn't see myself, you know, really writing poetry or being being an editor until fairly recently. I mean, I I started slush reading for perspective of North, and I found out that I enjoyed it more than I thought I would have. I didn't, you know, really. I the first poem I wrote, I think, in eight years was the first poem I sold to Starline, and like that poem, I I you know I had read so F. J. Berkman, she's another winner, um, from right. the same quarter I won, so she is, I guess, the, the interim editor for Starline, you know, the magazine of the, of the Science Fiction Poetry Association. And, like, you know, I had read her her um, her um little chapbook, uh, a, a catalog of for the Further Sons, you know, th- th- that won the Elgin Award. And, you know, I, I liked it a lot. I, I, I told her that, you know, you, you, got, you got me, you know, writing a poem. And I, I, emailed, I emailed it to her. And... And and then you know she liked it so you know, so much that she wanted to publish it and and, and I hadn't I hadn't even submitted you know the poem to yeah. to, to the <laughs> magazine so like it's that kind of thing that you know I like having you know, new opportunities open up and you know seeing kind of seeing yourself grow and that can happen in in many directions right. so um yeah I, I don't know what will happen to me but I, I plan to keep you know kind of trying new things and plugging away yeah so. Last year, we released the uh, Erwin Hubbard Writers of the Future online workshop, and you said you, you know, you're about halfway through it. But I'm just, again, this is for on behalf of aspiring writers who are listening to this interview to get specifics on our topic. We've got is is religion in science fiction and fantasy, but also now you you started this thing. So, what did you get out of the course of, of what you've done so far? Okay, yeah, the Early on, there was an essay by L. Ron Hubbard. It was like um, magic out of a hat. Yeah. And like it caused me to start thinking of like you know taking something very 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 mundane like a hat and 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 turning ideas out of that. And and so it's like it, it helped me realize that like I don't have to go going you know go to some, you know, read these three books and, and to, you know, get ideas, but, 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 but you can just kind of, uh, you, you know, look at some everyday object in, you know, and, and, and think about, you know, you know, it in a new light and, 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 and ideas are much easier to come by then. That's great. So on, um, now with respect to your, um, your writing in short fiction versus uh, novels. You've you've got the one novel written. Are you planning on moving back into novels? That's an excellent question. Um, because I, what I'm trying to figure out really is when when is when is an idea kind of worth a novel? Because my style has really gone more towards being concise, and I, I've written some longer stuff. I mean, I I have actually, so I do have a novelette coming out in Inked and Gray's survival anthology soon, and and that novelette was based in the same world as my novel. So I I went big and then I went smaller, but <laughs> yeah. um, 
but I mean, I, I like I'm writing some some you know some somewhat longer stuff still, but I. I, I want to, or I need to figure out, you know, when is this idea that like started out as a novelette or a short story, like when when to grow it into a novel, and I don't know. I mean, like my current writing project is another story in in the same world as a, a word that means everything, right? Um, and you know, actually has one of the same characters as protagonist. So, I mean, maybe I'll keep writing stories like that and then stitch them together into um, a novel. I mean, something like uh, Cloud Atlas. That 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 was sto short story stitched into a novel. Yeah. I mean, it, it can work. <laughs> it, de it definitely worked. It definitely worked. But, okay, you're mentioning Octavia Butler, but, like, I don't know if you've read anything by Nettie Okorafor. She's one of our judges, but she writes African religion. She has hers in that in that uh, vein and then orson scott card he has he writes a lot of of religious fantasy even you know the movie coming out later this year dune i mean that's the that's very much um religion plays a, a large role in that and it, it's, it's a big part of it you know but he's built a whole story around that basic idea with uh with the benny jezzeretta benny jezzeret is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how I said. Maybe you say it a different way. It's like oh, that's, that's, that's oh, a down, I, that's I a downside. That's that word. <laughs> yeah, I read. Okay, that's how, that's how it is in my head, and you're reading it's a different way. Like we've already established that. I'm trying to uh, for me reading the the titles of those two books, Indian uh, classics. That at the start of this interview here, I definitely said what I said, but it wasn't necessarily the right way. But there's a lot of, you know, the great story ideas that then expand to make it into a novel. Maybe it does require to build story around it so that you can get some some more uh, meat on the bones. Because you've got the, you know, like your your one story here that you just, the one I just read, Bang the Drum, was was great. But you said there was another book that this was a, a section of from the first century? Oh, um, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, there was one episode in that first century epic, the Buddha Charita, yeah. that I kind of grew bang the drum out of. Right. Um, and I mean, most of bang the drum was, you know, you know, just invented. I mean, I mean, some of the, you know, some of the characters, um, you know, are of course, you know, the Buddha's father, um, you know, the sage Asita, you know, they're they're in the epic, but I had to kind of, you know, read, you know invent them a bit because i mean you know ancient characters they're they're a little flatter right they're they're kind of these you know flat heroic you know kind of you know somewhat maudlin or you know over dramatized um people so i mean it, it, it requires a, a lot of a, a imagination still um sure you know, e even for something you know you know you know pretty small like that but even like the whole history of viplava, viplava is that how you pronounce her name the uh, one that was, oh, that was uh, yeah, 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 Viplava, yeah, Viplava, yeah. I mean, she herself. I mean, it's an amazing backstory on that, which you gave in a paragraph, which could have been multiple chapters that led into how she, the significance of why you know at the very end, you know, the tears coming for eyes and crying, that the significance that would be even more pronounced. You know, I mean, I could totally see how that could be expanded into a a much larger treatise. 
than the short story that you did. I really enjoyed the short story, and I'm glad you gave me that to read because I had time to read it between last night and, and this interview oh. today. <laughs> but that's, you know, I could definitely see some of the stuff expanding into, into novels. Yeah, and, and that's the thing I, I need to figure out because, like, it's always an option to expand something. It's just not, I, I, I just don't know when to do it. Right. Um, and, like, I, I had thought about, you know, re revisiting, you know, kind of, you know, my, my characters and world, you know, for a, a word that means everything, you know, for a while. But w whenever I did that, I always thought, oh, you know, but, but it's already, you know, so good kind of as it is. It, it's just already a whole, you know, why yeah. tear it up and try to reassemble it? Yeah. And, but it's only recently when I realized, oh, like I have this problem that I want to, you know, solve in a story. And then I realized, oh, I can do it in, in, in a world I already have. And, and when you have that, that's when it kind of makes sense to grow it out. But yeah. um, I, I'm not sure I want to force it otherwise, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 So th see, this discussion is really good because this is something that a lot of writers have to deal with, you know, especially aspiring writers that are on, they're on their own personal journey to, uh, to make it. And so some try to go just novel, 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 and some go short story to novel, some go novel, then short story, short story, then back to novel, like in your case. So it's just your story and just being able to, to talk it out here on this, on this podcast for those listening it can give them a little more either reassurance that they're not messed up because they're not certain what their future is going to be yet because it's, it's not certain you need to, you need to make the future, whatever it's going to be. And, um, the quality of storytelling. And also, um, the fact that you're a winner of rise to future, you're going to meet a lot of judges who are going to be very happy to, to deal with you and treat you as kinfolk. Now you're not, you know, when you see them, Tim Powers is going to be Tim Powers. It's not going to be, you know, I mean, he's going to, he's going to refer to you as, as a fellow writer. And that's one thing that in the past that winners have like been amazed with that these judges are so willing to take them in and to accept them as a fellow writer, as a fellow author. And um, we've had several that have, you know, had considerable assistance in getting that first break from uh, judges who say, here, let me just introduce you to my agent or, different ideas. Or, yeah, send me your next story and I'll, and I'll give you, I'll blurb you for it. So that type of stuff will, will also be afforded you, which provides even more opportunity. Again, there's this podcast, which up until recently, you know, it was, um, it didn't exist. I started after volume 35 and it's now grown to being a, a, a pretty good representation for the um, aspiring writer to listen, find out other tips, what to do. So anyway, um, what idea? What would you have to say to an expiring writer of what you know do's and don'ts? Um, other than kind of the perseverance and the the you know figure out your your goals, like I already said, and the take take the opportunities. So I'm kind of you know you know you know <laughs> dropping the the these nuggets um, as we go. But I mean, one thing I, I think it's important to realize too is, I mean, there, there are many kind of forms of success in writing. And like, I mean, if you're a swimmer or a runner and you're, you know, several milliseconds slower than the next guy, you know, you're in some, measure, in some measurable way, you know, worse. And, but with writing, you know, there, there are so many ways, 
to do your own thing. You know, it's a very, very, you know, immensely broad field. And you might yeah. write a story or a novel that no one has done before. And, you know, even the guy that won, you know, 10 Hugo Awards or, or whatever. And, and and so, like, I mean, that's really why, you know, I, I like, you know, when, when writers, you know, try to do something new and original and, you know, ha have some some fresh idea. And so, like, uh, you know, look, look for a concept that that hasn't been tried. Um, that, that, that's, I think, an important bit, bit of advice. And I mean, I tend to think the best way to achieve that really is to kind of, you know, be be a generalist that um, I think I think that this actually is something something that Damon Knight recommends in his writing, one of his writing books. But um, like it's that. I mean, sometimes you, you, you have to dig deep into, you know, like a certain century or a certain time period to really, you know, really get the feel of it to describe the setting or, or how people act. But I mean, all too often, that's something someone else has already done. Um, and if you want to kind of, you know, you know, blaze a new direction, I mean, you know, it's it comes from kind of, you know, you know, reading broadly, you know, in lots of little areas, you know, you know, read law, you know, read art history, read, you know, you know, some, you know, read the Quran, whatever. And and then figure out weird ways to to put them together, and you, you and you'll find that like you know a lot of things come alive that way. And I mean my my reading you know when I'm reading you know for for a goal because I I want to make some new connections you know you know it it makes everything become much much fresher for me. Um so so read read nonfiction and not and not just you know uh, fiction. Good. Okay, that makes that makes good sense on that. Now, in terms of the the future of Andy Dibble, we've already talked about the one novel you're the anthology you're putting together right now. Any other stuff you've got coming out? I have other than that novel that I mentioned, you know, based on the world of my novel coming out in Ink and Gray Survival Anthology. I have a few poems coming out in Starline, and then and then we'll see. Um, I I mean, keep submitting, keep grinding away. Yes, you know, more of these stories I, I got to sell eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So if a person wants to be able to uh, find you, where do they go? How do well, they find you either on website or on your social media? How does somebody find you? Um, I do have a website. I have andydibble.com. I, I, I mostly blog there about religion and philosophy stuff, some, some other things too. It's not really themed because my thoughts aren't very themed. Um, I, I do have a Twitter now, Andy Dibble too. That was an effort to kind of, you know, you know, get more more into the self self promotion thing because Twitter right. really is the major social media platform for writers. And so, I mean, I, I have a fair number of followers, I guess, but they're all like writer people. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, that's another way to grow myself but i had resisted on twitter because i didn't want something else to detract me like so many so many other things already do yeah i'm tracking okay so um this has been great having a chance to talk with you and i think specifically also on the subject of uh, religion and science fiction and fantasy because it's a lot of people are actually trying to write it and a lot of people don't realize how much it is in science fiction and fantasy and if properly done it can be really good 
And if not properly done, it can um, have adverse effects. Oh, yeah. For both your career in terms of, and also for people reading it. So we're not talking about the part where it's intended to actually incite hate, but we're just talking about right now just so that engenders uh, an appreciation and admiration for the author and what they're writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, anyway, thank you very much. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've also been syndicated on the United Public Radio Network where you can find these podcasts as well. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. Again, thank you very much, Andy. Yeah, thank you, John.